are doing the Rethink Podcast, and Matt's gone. It was nice knowing him. Matt is in, well, we think <laughs> Matt's in Burundi. We don't really know. We don't know, and I don't think he does either. Because yeah. he lost his luggage. Did he really? He I was, didn't hear that. I talked to his dad yesterday. Oh. Um, he lost his luggage. They had their backpacks, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And they were hoping that their luggage would be reunited with them at some point. Yeah, I doubt it. It's Africa. That's got sold already. Well, that's what I said. Somebody went through it. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. He had stuff for the orphanage. and Oh, uh, that's why. Yeah. That's it right there. He had lots of supplies. And so... It's I... been like one thing after another for them in this whole journey i tend to travel just with backpacks stefan can attest to that uh on all the trips that we've been taking like even longer trips backpacks are the way to go i don't trust airlines well so. and especially in a, you know burundi i mean come on yeah that's sketchy yeah you're just asking for them to take stuff at that point and hmm. we hope and pray that it's all going well maybe someday he'll come back yeah um if it's that. the Lord's will. <laughs> he should have went to Asia Minor, but the Spirit said, no, go to Africa. Yeah. We are, uh, we're in this expedition Greece. I don't know why I put those on. They don't work with my headphones. We're in expedition Greece <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, it's, it's pinching. Got to put go. them on first. And we're, we're moving to a new city. Uh, with this this portion of the talk, I think we're in, we're going to be in Corinth for three or four weeks. Yeah, um, I don't know. Do we have three or four weeks worth of material from Corinth? Yeah, there's a lot of different perspectives in which to look at this city through. So, we decided to go here for a an extended season. Um, the honest reason there's two reasons for it. One, there's lots of material. Uh, you got First and Second Corinthians, which mm-hmm. are humongous books that talk about the issues of Corinth, and we're going to delve into some of those uh, as we go in the next few weeks. And the other is we wanted to push this series all the way to Christmas. Yeah. Because we all love preaching a Christmas series, not, and uh, this shortened that. And so we're sticking with Expedition Greece, and we're going to, uh, but we could spend a year, year and a half, like Paul did, mm-hmm. in Corinth if we wanted to. So uh, thinking back, it's been a long time now, thinking back, what were some of the things that stood out to you guys from Corinth? Um, So I was trying to go back through pictures and stuff and rethink kind of what had happened there. I remember I was supposed to record a video of the Temple of Apollo, and we get there, we get all set up, and the lady just starts going ballistic on me about being professional photographers and we can't do this and it was just kind of crazy because other people were walking around with like gopros and there's other people videoing stuff with gopros but yeah anyway i just, uh, just I our that. appearance is pretty i mean i look super high-brow. professional so pretty slick yeah so i understand what she's there's nothing professional about us no not even remotely <laughs> close <laughs> And she just, I, I finally talked so her I, off I, the I ledge. I didn't see that because that didn't happen. That was down in the low city? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that did happen down there. When we first got down there, there was that big tour group. Mm-hmm. And they were, they all had GoPros and doing all kinds of stuff. And Stefan and I go set up and we're standing there. And it, I think it's because like, you know, he had, he did have like a, the little DSLR or whatever. And I had the GoPro and we're doing that. 
But yeah, she was going ballistic. I think the she had a whistle. She was blowing at me. So, <laughs> but we we were like videoing somebody. They were just videoing things. Yeah, that is true. But so you were the celebrity, not the site. Yeah. So anyway, that was uh that was one of the things I remember, you know, just from the experience. And then I also remember Levi running around trying to find the is it Erastus Stone, uh, the city clerk. Yeah, and I ran right past it and like, didn't even know it. You looked you like read, a squirrel. Can you read Greek? No. How was you gonna know what it said? Wayne Styles. I knew what the picture looked like, but I just didn't know where it was. We were and actually parked right by it. Yeah. And it was, it was the curb. After. It was the curb we pulled up to. <laughs> Pretty much. It was like right across the thing. <laughs> My lesson from that is when when you see that they have a chain around something, uh-huh. you probably should stop and look at they why they have a you, chain around. If they it whistle because, at you for looking at it, that's yeah. probably yeah. Because I ran right past. It. I was like, oh, that's just a random. Chain. I didn't like the lower city because it just felt there's just too many people. It was crowded. There was yeah. groups from all over, and um, but the upper city, the the Acro, Acro Corinth, Corinth, or the Acropolis, which was the, I mean, it was pretty high for one thing. Was it about eighteen hundred feet? I think the elevation change. Yeah, Levi wanted to run up it as well. I was feeling good. I mean, I kept up with him, but I had to keep reminding him. There's like twenty years difference, you know. Like, come on. Hey, anytime that I get to, you know, actually feel like I'm beating Andrew, you weren't beating me. Let's just make that clear right now. It's, I, I'm telling you, there's you may have been in front, but you weren't beating. It me. may be good for a moment, but later it's not worth it. Because <laughs> the last time we hiked up a mountain, he demolished me. So this one, this was much better this yeah. time. He's yeah, a, you were you were keeping up. Older. That was good. You cannot beat Father Time. <laughs> so you can push him away for a while, but he catches up. <laughs> no, but up there on top, that was. Uh, that was pretty incredible, even just to see the layers of history that were unfolded. Because on the top, you have um, uh, Epaphroditus, the Temple of Epaphroditus up there. And to think about them making that trip, mm-hmm. you know, from upper to lower Corinth is insane. Just to think about it's that. significant. I mean, we drove halfway up at least, maybe two-thirds. I'd say two-thirds of the way up. Yeah. And it was steep yeah and then the last part we we all had to hike up to the top but mm-hmm. what what is what was amazing to me was the and i see this in a lot of those places like th- this is ancient stuff we were up there at epaphrodite's uh aphrodite 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 yeah. Yeah. yeah you're right not epaphra no that's like a character in the bible yeah you're right <laughs> i said that wrong aphrodite yeah well who invited him to this we didn't I, come I, here to correct us. I invited And him. nobody out there knew that. That's true. You're the only one in the civilized world that knew that. That's just the Greek name. Roman name would be Venus. Yeah. Who's your Venus? Who's your five? Yeah. So, but, to, you know, you get to a site like that, which is, I think that, if I, when, when's the date on that? AD <laughs> <laughs> 51? Or you mean our date on our trip? No, I know when we went. That's Paul's. That that temple was established, I believe I read 400 BC. Yeah. So that's a 2,400-year-old. And we stood up there running around on the foundation stones making videos. Nobody up there blowing a whistle at us because there was nobody Nobody. there. That was wide open. You could have taken a pickaxe and dug out these things and found ancient relics, and Mm -hmm. nobody would know. That's what what, those are the cool sites to me to visit. Mm -hmm. It's so untouched feeling. Um, and it gave just a great 
scenic overlook of the entire region. The view was right. incredible. Yeah. You could see both the Aegean and Adriatic mm-hmm. seas from up there, and you could see the Isthmus connecting back up to the main. Well, it, it connects to the Peloponnese Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Look at you. That's good. <laughs> I studied that on the plane flight. <laughs> I, gotta be, I say, when I say Peloponnese, that people will be impressed. Yeah, that's a good word. That's the lower half from the, the mainland. Mm-hmm. What what you see is that view. The view was incredible. I mean, and it, that isthmus is only five miles wide. Yeah. Uh, we saw the ancient it's actually place. Four, but the ancient place remember. where they <laughs> would pull the cargo or the ships, if they were a appropriate size, across that before the canal was built. The canal's new. Yeah. 1900-something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah bungee jumping up of it is really new yeah um we'll talk about that maybe at the end mm. we could but that that peninsula at the you've heard of the um african cape of horn mm-hmm. the, i think it's called is that what it's called yeah i don't know the <laughs> where they have to sail around they the have bottom. to sail away around because it's such a dangerous waters well it's not that bad but it's a serious journey to go around the southern tips of greece um to get over to Italy. So what we're seeing is between, this is situated directly between Ephesus, which is the gateway over into Asia and, and Rome. And they would travel across this isthmus um, for 2,000 plus years, mm-hmm. right, to get to those two locations and do the trade route. So that, that means it's a, it's a place of commerce. Uh, travelers are coming through there all the time. They had the Isthmian Games, which are um, kind Precursors of like, to the Olympics. Mm-hmm, pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, so, you know, tent makers, this is the place you could, you, I mean, we'd say tent makers. That's, I think it conjures up incorrect images. They worked in leather. Right. Yeah, that's the common, like tent makers, is leather workers. So tons of trade, tons of business there. Um, incredible views, strategic location. I mean, it's just, it's everything, right? That's why it became the Vegas, so to speak, of the ancient world. Yeah. Um, One of the things that... You know, early on in my walk with Christianity, I'd read that Paul was a tent maker. I'm like, who in the world? Like, why? Why are there so many tents? But you got to remember, there's no like holiday inns. Mm-hmm. And so, any of these places where there's large commerce or trade or games or anything like that, people are staying in these like encampments. So, Paul was actually a real estate broker, is what he was. He was uh he was the first Airbnb. Oh, sweet. Yeah, setting up little shops of huts and making tents. So he comes in, that's what he does. He meets Priscilla and Aquila there uh, from Rome, and they do that. Mm-hmm. They join with him. Um, it's interesting, you know, we, we've seen all these spots where he's been, that he's run out of town in Philippi, he's run out of town in Thessalonica, he's run out of town in Berea. He has some limited success in Athens, but not a lot of note there. Um and he goes to court. He's not there very long. What? Well, I was just going to point out that Priscilla and Aquila ran, run out of Rome mm-hmm. for their belief. Like Claudius is the one that runs them out because he wants to get rid of the Jews. So at this point, there's already a church, we think, established in Rome. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether they were, Levi and I discussed this earlier today, whether they were Jewish believers, not yet familiar with the gospel, or they may have been Christians. I, I tend to lean with what MacArthur argued that they were Christians mm-hmm. uh, at this point because there's no there's no notation of their baptism when Paul lists the people he you know baptized that were of note they were not mentioned nor were they you know 
their early leaders in the story. But he stays there a year and a half is where I was heading with that. A year and a half is a, in the journey in the life of Paul is a long visit. Well, the whole missionary journey is two and a half years. Right. So it's two-thirds of the He journey. takes his time to write there. He has trouble there, He, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but he's reassured by God that he's going to be protected there, uh, which has to be a... I'm, I'm just captivated by these messages he's getting from God and what's the nature of them. You know, is he hearing an audible voice? I think sometimes he's seeing a vision, Acts mm -hmm. 16. How does he know? He's assured by God. The Spirit tells him that you're going to be okay. Stay here. Preach the gospel. Establish the church. He takes the time to make some connections. He probably writes First and Second Thessalonians here. Mm -hmm. um, and then Luke and Timothy and Silas rejoin him here. Yep, the team's back together. All the, the team's back in the... He also writes Romans from there. Right. Which is... Well, that's... we On a later... Is yeah, it a second later. visit? Second visit, yeah. maybe. Um, this is just tons of stuff that happens here. I alluded to this a moment ago. Though. This, because of what it was, where it was, it's a wild place to live. Very uh, multicultural city as well. <laughs> so can I add that some scholars think that there were like 80,000 people, maybe even on the high side, up to like 150,000 people mm -hmm. here in Corinth. So like it's probably... Now he can't add the that. Largest. Take that out. He can't add that. He asked for permission to say no. <laughs> That's redacted. <laughs> no, it's a large city. Yeah, yeah. It's so an ancient world. If we say ancient, a you know, a city in that time, ten to twenty thousand would have been a massive city. And you're right. This is something beyond that. This is a um, a city like none other in the world in what it can offer. And that's also why you have such the immorality that is present. Well, the travelers, you know, it's it's built-in truck stops. <laughs> yep. Um, and the games just, were... The games were there. They yeah. were every other year, weren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like just the Olympics every four years. This is a... And they held them in the same location. It's it's kind of the, the mindset of, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in Corinth. In fact, there's the, the phrase to call someone a Corinthian... Uh, what's the real word? There's a real word for it. Yeah. You know? I know what There's you're talking about. <laughs> I gotta quit that. Sorry. The Corinthianize. I don't know. Something. Yeah. Like yeah it it's an insult. It's to, like if you're living the living. Corinthian lifestyle, you're living you're, you're living loosely. Yeah. Uh, because at that temple on the top, they were said to be straight. Oh, the Roman historian says. There's some debate whether he's really accurate or not. But a thousand prostitutes ministered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> ministered this as a form of worship um peddled their trade as prostitutes there at the temple so and they would come down what I, what i read from macarthur was they would come down off the mountain at night they would go into the city uh people would engage with the prostitute as a form of worship mm -hmm. you know um it, it's a crazy city yeah and where that's just celebrated and that carries over into the church you know the the challenge for the church to be christ-like and distinct uh it's, it's tough for them you know they you have, they have the late the the letter of first corinthians talks about a man who's living with his sleeping with his father's wife so it's that mom mm -hmm. i guess um and they're celebrating that like they're they're being celebrating the fact that they're gracious enough to to, to love and accept this guy and it's sin 
And Paul says, we can't, we can't be doing that. Stop it. We got to be distinct mm-hmm. uh, in our culture. And he tells them to call them out. And, you know, first Corinthians six talks about all <laughs> of the issues that they're facing in this city. And, you know, we talked about earlier, he said, you used to be these people, you know, right. you used to be this way is the way you used to be. But now there's this idea of repentance. When you repent, when you put your trust and faith in Christ, it sets your trajectory in a new direction. You are no longer known by these things. You're now a new creation in Christ for a new purpose and new life. So stop it. He, he says, I, I love these verses uh, because of the transition that I've said. But this is the church. Yeah, Corinth. this is people. not the city. <laughs> this is the people in the church. He says, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Neither do, uh, do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanders, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you were. Right. So the audience that accepts the gospel uh, is made up of those people. Right, but he says verse eleven, which is why it's such a powerful passage, and that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so he says, "Stop it! You know, live set free." That's one of the things I wanted to talk about with with Corinth was the power of the gospel to not only bring forgiveness for our past sin and a hope of our future dwelling with God, but a victory in being sanctified, would be the theological word, in our current life, mm-hmm. overcoming sin, how to stop it, that there is power in the spirit to accomplish that task. And I think that's that's the message that Paul is preaching and, and, and holding them to that standard of being Christ-like, that that is actually possible in the midst of the fallenness even of uh, Corinth. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on that? I was going to say a couple of thoughts that came to my mind in that is like that's where you get the Second Corinthians five um, seventeen. You know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. You know, we are given that ministry of reconciliation, and so, yeah. You read these letters, the Corinthian church was was a mess. Um, but it was because they weren't living out their identity of who they were in Christ. They were still living as Corinthians. And so, yeah, Paul's constantly reminding them that, you know, when you follow Christ, there is a new way, there's a new life that he gives you. Yeah, and, and he's an example of that. You know, just because of who you were doesn't mean that's who you will be. And so Paul, you know... He's a Pharisee, and he's persecuting the church, and you, we, we see he's not living that identity out. He'll reference back to that, but only in the fact of what God's grace did to him to mm. set him free. And so I think a lot of times, too, we hear churches, preachers, we preach a message of, you know, the gospel frees us from our sin, and we talk a lot about that. But Past sin. Yeah, but... The gospel frees us to live a life in Christ in our new identity. So it gives us the freedom to speak truth. It gives us a freedom to live truth. 
like right here and now. It's not something we have to wait on. <clears throat> it's something we participate in on a daily basis. And the gospel redeems us to the point of like, we don't have to carry those old ways or old burdens around with us anymore. That if we really trust in him, we're not going to be perfect, but we can start living out these patterns of the gospel in everyday life. John the Baptist said of Jesus, he will baptize you with water and fire. Mm -hmm. um, the fire is refining. He's going to purify us, right? Um, so MacArthur, when I was reading on, on Acts 18 from him, he said, well, you know, what do you have when a, a person, for instance, a man with a, a bad temper becomes a Christian? You have a Christian with a bad temper, mm -hmm. right? It, sometimes God miraculously delivers us from our sin. Most of the time, he's going to refine us through life. There's a discipling process of being refined. And so it's not okay that he's a Christian with that bad temper. He's That needs to be addressed with the power of the Spirit. But how does that happen? You know, that's, that's, the, that's the issue that I think we've got to wrestle with. We've got to we've got to deal with the sin in our life and not be content with it. That's who I am, but I'm saying by grace through faith, you are, but he wants to call you out of that life of sin. See, that's, that's the powerful thing when he said, this is what some of you were, but you're not now. Mm -hmm. You've been rescued from that life of sin. Uh, and, and he can change us. We have to surrender to him. I, I think there's the accountability that, that we need from each other. Um, that to, to walk straight and true, you know, and the that, that's what he's calling for with the Corinthians, with this guy that's living with his or sleeping with his father's uh, wife. Stop it. Punishment is, is due. He's remove him from the fellowship, which they do. Mm -hmm. And the second Corinthians has said, now he's repented. He's changed. He's a new man. He's not doing that sin anymore. Right. That's the goal. So bring him back in because mm -hmm. they didn't want to do that but bring him back in and let him be a part of the fellowship. But there's that accountability that's brought. Uh, we just don't like to do that. It's hard, right, to do that. We don't We don't like to hold others accountable. And speak for myself, I guess, but I don't like to really be held accountable myself. Mm, yeah. We don't like to be confronted. We don't want to. Be, so I asked a question in my life group, like what sin in your life needs to be refined now? Mm-hmm. It was crickets, man. Yeah. Nobody wants to answer that question. We all know it, but we all know what our answer is. <laughs> I mean, I know but what we yours don't want to share so. it. <laughs> so we the truth of the matter is we don't want to deal with it. Mm. It's because we always everyone always wants Jesus as their savior. You know, we want saved from the consequence of, you know, and the punishment of sin, but we don't want to you know, submit to Christ as Lord of our life and, and actually change our allegiance from me being in charge of my life to letting God be in charge of my life. And so I think in there, there's also that we never truly, I'm not saying never, but like a lot of times, a lot of people miss out on actually starting to desire to see God change them. You know, we're comfortable in our life and comfortable in our sin and as long as it's not causing any major or if we've been a christian for a while we know the consequences of people finding out that there is a sin in our life mm -hmm. yeah right uh they'll, they'll treat us like the corinthians treated the man you know so you repented but i still remember yeah mm -hmm. you know i done. think that's an interesting thing as paul is going to all of these cities 
the entire missionary journey. He's preaching the good news of Jesus and the resurrection. And the repentance is part of that good news of Jesus. It's not just, hey, believe this new idea, but it's a call to a life because the resurrection gives it testimony of proof. And so it's something that your your entire life is becoming, you know, dictated by this belief. It's not just a, another side God or an idol that you worship, but it's really this idea of putting your life under Christ because of what he's done. And it means that we change in light of that. And so I think that's what, you know, all of this throughout the time, like we've always wrestled with this idea, like what you're talking about is no one likes the consequences of sin. We like that removed, but this actual idea of letting scripture, letting the truth of who Jesus is dictate how we live our lives. It's like, whoa. And Jesus tells a story about that whenever, you know, the one man has this huge debt he can never repay and the the owner forgives him. And what does he do? He goes and tries to collect and the debt that a small debt that someone else owes and has him thrown in jail. And that's not the picture of us being set free. When we're set free from the debt that we can never pay ourselves, it's in order to extend that grace and that mercy and point them to Jesus that they could also have that as well. Yeah, we we take up the the mission of God. You mm-hmm. know, not that we put ourselves in God's place because ultimately he's the only one that brings growth and and transformation in our lives. But like through scripture, we see that he wants to involve us in that story, in that purpose. And so as Christians, you know, yeah, we join in with that and take up, take up his mission in the world. And mm-hmm. so the, the refining fire, we don't like that because it's hot and uncomfortable and change is difficult. But I think there's so much hope in this idea that the gospel sets us free, that there actually is power to overcome. We can change. We can be different. We don't have to be bound by or stuck in the patterns and ruts of our, of our life that we can actually be transformed. That's, that's a big hope filled truth. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's a pretty, pretty dirty list of folks, right? And they're in the church and they changed because he'd been washed. They've been, they've been cleansed and set apart. Uh, and I think that's a message we have to keep preaching. The church needs to be a place for broken people to feel comfortable to come in and know that God loves them no matter what they're doing, no matter where they're at. He loves them just the way they are. But what like we often say, he loves them too much to let them stay the way that they are. Mm-hmm. He calls us to change. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. inside of us is bringing that change. <laughs> that's I... the key, I think, Levi. It's yeah. not my power to discipline myself to change it's max Lucado does that comparative with um chapter seven and chapter eight in the book of romans in chapter seven 28 times he mentions i and the story narrative there is based upon i it's failure mm-hmm. what a wretched man i am greatest of sinners <laughs> chapter 28 he ends that with a with, but the hope is in christ and then chapter eight is about life in the spirit and it's about victory. And 22 times he says it's the Holy Spirit that's making these changes in that chapter. And he just talks about in that there is, there's no way we lose. We're more than conquerors. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
but it's it's that recognition that it's a surrender mm -hmm. to him to let him be in control and to to bring the change. I think Paul's feeling that a little bit too because it talks about he's fearful as he enters in uh, Corinth, and you know God reveals to him, you know, keep speaking. I have people here, so he's sovereign over all things. He knows what's going to go down, but he gives them the promise, I am with you. And throughout the missionary journeys, that's said six times from God, I am with you. Like, keep speaking, I am with you. But it's said throughout all of Scripture, from Moses, you know, of leading the people to taking the promised land. All throughout Scripture, there's this promise of God with us and that is the most comforting thing that we could have, whether we're in the midst of, you know, a struggle, depression, fear, anxiety, whatever it is, like God is with us. And that is powerful because when God is with us, the, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Exactly. So no matter what we're facing, like we can overcome because God is with us, not because of our power, but he is with us. And that's the confidence we can stand on to go forward. I have really enjoyed, as we've studied through this section of Acts, the human side of Paul. Mm -hmm. Right. You, Paul is, we, we just have this bold, confident, take charge, speak first, ruler, leader kind of guy. But he's not really that way. He is, but he's, he's, there's so much more to him. Mm -hmm. he's, he is a man in transition as you follow this story as well. He's, you know, he's growing just mm -hmm. like we're talking about. He's growing in his relationship with the Lord and his dependence upon him. And these promises of, you know, God's presence, these reminders that I'm with you, uh, that you're going to be okay. And then, you know, it just keeps building that, um, that faith in him. It's pretty neat to watch. Mm -hmm. That's what he wants for all of us. Not Paul, but God. Yep. Closing thoughts. We don't want to go too far because we got to talk about Corinth again. Yeah. We're going to talk about uh, sexual morality. Uh, we're going to talk about the body being a temple. Um, all kinds of good stuff. Centria. We're going to go to Centria at the end of this story. We're going to talk about a missionary model with Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos. So mm -hmm. a lot of good stuff. Content coming. Rethink podcast. That's enough for now. Okay. Thanks for joining us. See you. Thank you.